The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotor World Football Podcast. Even when the weather is negative 20 degrees, I guess with wind chill, this remains the most important podcast in the universe. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. It is Super Bowl week. Speaking of weeks, there are 52 of them in every year. And last week was Senior Bowl week. Um, and last week, I was joined by Josh, Joe Goodberry. Come on, come on man. <laughs> I was joined by Joe Goodberry, Fran Duffy, and Ted Nguyen. Uh, they were Twitter friends who are real-life friends as well. They're cool people. So go and check that podcast out. It was kind of an open-ended 40-minute conversation just about football. This week, it's the big game on Sunday. But before we get to that, I need to remind you to rate and review this podcast. We're hovering around like 430 reviews. We've kind of plateaued at that number for a long time. This is a big number, but can we please, oh, please, Get up to 500. I'm not going to put a date in it because I am not a stern individual, but just do it for me. Do it for Ray. Do it for Pat. Do it for Evan and Rich. Get up to 500 reviews. We really, really, really appreciate it. It helps us find a different and new audience out there. I should also tell you that you are beautiful, magnificent, glorious people and helped us get to the and actually fill the entire top five episodes that were most listened to among all NBC Sports podcasts. Yes, one, two, three, four, and five. Thank you for doing that. Draws a little bit of attention to us, and we can all time to get to our guests today. It's Ray Summerlin and Roto Pat. Pat, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it was six in St. Louis today, which makes it actually the warmest city in the Midwest. So, And Raymond, how are you? It's currently 51 degrees in <laughs> San Antonio, Texas. Time of recording, 6 p.m. What the heck was that intro? Like, what? Do you know, do you know what happens with these podcasts, Ray? It's called no. post-production. Post-production <laughs> makes me sound so much smarter and more of an eloquent speaker each and every week. You know why we have the top five podcasts, right? It's because, you guys uh, because started, of Dragon Ball Z talk. So you guys started talking about Dragon Ball Z in December. It's not a coincidence. I mean, again, it's not a coincidence. And sorry to start you off or that you took us down this path, Pat, but that – 
literally every single week, there's a new column about NFL and Dragon Ball Z Venn diagram being a full solar eclipse. We're going to talk about content a little bit later on. I forgot to ask you all about the content kind of you're consuming, not the start of the offseason because it's not the offseason yet, but you have a little more free time than you used to. So I'll get to that at the end of the podcast. But we are, you know, a few minutes into this episode, and I've even yet to mention that the New England Patriots and the Rams play this Sunday. In this episode, the goal is to kind of hit on every important point heading into the game. I, I feel like the right way to start this off is from the Rams offensive perspective, because I mean, it's it's so different than what we saw in like week 10, right? Week 10, I believe Cooper Cup was still out there. Week 10, Todd Gurley was still like an outstanding player in this offense. Now we get to the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley, in many cases now, has been supplanted by a superior C.J. Anderson at points. And as we know, the Rams aren't running as much 11 personnel because Cooper Cup is out. Ray... Um, how do you think this Rams offense and start at any point that you want to is going to fare against a multiple Patriots defense? Well, I think you have to kind of go past the Saints game. They go in up against the Saints front, which is just outstanding. They even, you know, kept trying to run the ball with CJ Anderson. We obviously know that Todd Gurley wasn't really involved. They kept trying to run the ball. It didn't really work out. But now they're going back to face a team that it's, it's more like the defenses they faced three games prior to that. I think we're going to see them kind of return to that kind of trying to run the ball, trying to control the clock kind of game plan, which has seemed to you know work pretty well for them. And if they're able to do that, if they're able to get Todd Gurley involved in the passing game, because New England is has been pretty bad against running backs out of the backfield so far this year. I mean, we even saw that in the game against Kansas City. I think their backfield is going to play a big role. But to your point, like who in the backfield is going to play that big role? Was it really that Gurley was playing sorry, as he said after the game, and that's what led to them benching him? Was it the knee? Is the knee better now that he's had really two full weeks to to really you know rest that knee? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's one of the more fascinating parts because I think that C.J. Anderson, you're right, has really been a spark for them at times. But what Todd Gurley is able to do, and like I mentioned, especially in the passing game, the plays that he's going to be able to create in the passing game, the big plays he's going to be able to create that I just don't think are there for CJ Anderson. I think that could play a a very big role in this game, especially because, I mean, the Patriots for much of the year had a pretty toothless pass rush. We've seen in the playoffs, they become more aggressive. They're blitzing more. And we've seen them really start to get after quarterbacks. They sacked Patrick Mahomes, you know, four times in golf. We know if you can get pressure on him, you can really disrupt that passing game. So I think that Gurley and that that backfield in general, but Gurley specifically, that's going to play a – how successful they're able to be is going to play a pretty big role in how successful the Rams can be on offense. Ray hit all the, the salient points there, but I think we're going to see – I think the, the best overarching point he made is where I think we're going to see kind of a back-to-basics game for the Rams offense where no team operated more out of 11 personnel. I think maybe it's Warren Sharp. Uh, I know Warren had tweeted about in the past that the Patriots are one of the worst defenses in the league against 11 personnel. And just frankly – I don't think the Rams can win without a big day from their running game. And like Ray said, the Patriots uh, pass rush has kind of really heated up in the playoffs. I think they pressured Patrick Mahomes on over half of his dropbacks. I mean, that's, that's game over if that happens against Jared Goff. We just know Jared Goff has humongous splits uh, under pressure and not under pressure. And they're going to have to do everything they can to make sure that the Patriots pass rush does not get cooking. Uh, I had two weeks, uh, you know, Todd Gurley, uh, he had a great game in the division round, leading some people, you know, kind of speculate maybe it's not his health, but 
he really had not been the same since the Chiefs game. He hurt his ankle against the Chiefs. Didn't seem to be a huge factor, but then he tweaked the knee, and it's maybe just an accumulation of things. This were, clearly has not been the same Ty Gurley down the stretch. He has, like, once Ty Gurley has gotten ahead of steam, um, he's still been a huge playmaker, but I feel like he just has not been going side to side as well as we're used to seeing from Ty Gurley. And it's going to be – I think Ty Gurley will lead the backfield, but I think they're going to lean on the run game. Like Ray kind of said, like what I've have been trying to say, just kind of do what they do best. And if they if they can't do that, they're not, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Pat, I have those stats to that you were mentioning from Warren Sharp. The Pats' pasty actually this season was third in success rate against eleven personnel and twenty sixth in success rate versus twelve personnel. What's been interesting is we know that for much of the season, outside of kneel downs, the Rams were in uh, eleven personnel like ninety nine percent of the time. But since they lost Cooper Cup. And since C.J. Anderson um, has emerged in the later part, and including the playoffs, I think they've gone uh, outside of their three wide receiver sets like 27% of the time when before, again, it was just 1% of the time. The sharp, I think Warren is especially, I think it was like a split. So I think down the stretch, the Patriots were not good against 11 personnel. In fact, I have a, I found the tweet here, Josh. They were, their 61% success rate against 11 personnel after week 11 there we go. Uh, was the, the worst. And, and Pat, the that kind of points to like the season, right? Like, I mean, in any NFL season, you can't look at it from week one because week one, these teams are very different than they are third, fourth, fifth week of the postseason. By the way, isn't that a, that's a great moment in Road World podcast history that we came at each other with a different Warren Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, very Roto World podcast moment. Only the worksheet would have been more of a Roto World podcast moment. But coming at each other with different Warren Sharp tweets. Uh. Let's keep going with more stats. Ray, to your point, the Pats D ranks 22nd in success rate and 6.3 yards per attempt allowed on passes to running backs. We know that C.J. Anderson isn't going to be that pass catcher. It might be Todd Gurley. What this really comes down to T.J. Anderson can catch passes. He, he just can't can. make big plays with them. Correct. But whenever you watch the Rams at their height, when they're in rhythm on offense, you know, it always amazed me how much free room Todd Gurley got in the open field, right? On how, just free, how much free room every Rams player got. Oh, that's true. That too. <laughs> and really the Patriots versus the Chiefs last week too, but that's another conversation we'll get to in a little bit. Do you know what, what stands out to me? And I don't know if this is fair. So let me ask you guys. If this is fair, kind of the start of Goff's decline in the second half of the season started in week 13. And in week 13, that was against the Detroit Lions. Who yep. runs the defense on the Detroit Lions? That is Matt Patricia, correct? Matt Patricia, yep. disciple of Bill Belichick, multiple defensive fronts, you know, coming at you, not with just the standard, this is our defense, we're going to try to win in the way and keep it simple. No, and we saw it last week against the Chiefs, how many stunts, twists, blitzes they moved up front, um, different defenses they put out in terms of coverages last week against the Chiefs as well. I wonder if we're going to see that in a similar way, and they look back, either the Rams look back and say, hey, this is how we didn't succeed against the the Lions when Goff was 17 of 33, 51 completion percentage, one touchdown, one interception. I don't remember watching that game, but those are the counting stats. Versus the Patriots saying, hey, we we have games of Goff playing poorly, multiple games of that. And it's all about disrupting him from the interior, from the outside. But to his credit, and I'll end on this point, to his credit, Goff did make plays that he wasn't accustomed to last week 
or I guess two weeks ago against the Saints. And really those two or three plays outside of structure were in many ways the difference makers in winning that game. And to your point, I mean, the big one, the big play there would be Gerald Everett, the play you're talking about. Correct. But you're right that golf played outstanding. I'll say I want to talk about like the Patriots and, and what they were able to do against the Chiefs. And we saw so many plays there in which they and we see this from every defense. It's not it's not specific to them. But the point you're making here is that they're able to disguise who's coming, right? So often they, they're having to able to put just seven men on the line of scrimmage, even those kind of amoeba fronts and then back off whenever they're going to back off. And it's going to be very important. You mentioned it. Golf played really well against the Saints, like exceptionally well, especially in the second half. Some of the throws he made, that throw he made to Brandon Cooks for that first touchdown, that very important touchdown before halftime. That wasn't a touchdown, but it set up the Todd Gurley touchdown. It was really impressive. Uh, some of the plays he was able to make on the run, rolling out in bootlegs. It was really a great game from him. But I still think we look back, lean on history, and say, if you can get in Jared Goff's face, that's probably going to result in good things for your team. And if the Patriots are able to do what they were able to do against the Chiefs, then that's certainly be a problem. What you have to say, though, is this Rams offensive line is better than that Chiefs offensive line. Yep. Uh, they probably, and what's crazy about this, is both of these offensive lines are exceptional. Both Arguably of them are exceptional. the top two units in the league. They have been exceptional all year. And so that that's probably going to be a story of this game. Which one of these, and we'll talk about this with Brady because we know what the we know what the game plan is uh, with, with Brady. Justin Tuck can tell you what the game plan is uh, to disrupt Brady. But we're going to talk about, I think, a lot, these offensive lines and which one is able to stand up. Are the Rams going to be able to, those multiple pressure fronts, like you mentioned, yeah. are they going to be able to really read those pass off the guys, pass off the people running the stunts? Are they going to be able to do those things? It'll be really interesting to see, and I think it'll play a, an important role in who ends up winning this game. Echoing points Ray made. I mean, uh, you try to do this against every quarterback you play, of course, but I mean, there's no secret. I mean, the Patriots are going to try to pressure Jared Goff, and they're going to try to overload his circuits, so to speak. He's not a quarterback you think of winning an in-game chess match. So if you get Jared Goff in a chess match, I mean, you will probably win the chess match. But again, what Ray said, I mean, Jared Goff's kind of coming off one of the most impressive games of his career. Uh, He, especially considering how like frazzled, like he looked ready to have like a meltdown game in New Orleans, especially the first quarter. I mean, he looked ready to have a complete meltdown game and really kind of rallied himself, rallied the troops. And, uh, but yeah, there's no, I mean, Bill Belichick, you know, the Bill Belichick famous slash infamous for doing things in the Super Bowl that he's never done before. Maybe not only they haven't done that season, maybe he's never done his whole career. Uh, Sean McVay, of course, knows that um, it's going to be a fascinating chess match. We're not saying anything revolutionary here in terms yeah. of, hey, disrupting a quarterback from the interior makes them worse. But to the point of where Jared Goff is and, and how much it impacts him, like it's a drastic tail off. Again, these are counting stats, but I do want just to recite them. Um, when Goff has a clean pocket, he ranks fifth in passer rating and 16th in completion percentage at 72%. Under pressure, he it changes completely with 35th ranked completion percentage at 43% and 29th ranked in passer rating at 58 So again, Sure, any quarterback is going to be worse when you disrupt them, especially from the interior, but the cliff that Jared Goff jumps off of is drastic. My my question here, and again, this it's, it's kind of interesting because obviously both teams have, in many ways, it seems like a similar game plan. Um, I don't know if the Patriots have individual talents in the front seven that allows them to just win on talent alone, obviously, but that's why... I mean, these Patriots coaches are always up for coaching gigs elsewhere. 
Brian Flores, for example, because of how they can change and mix and match and, and elevate the players above their talents because of, of the game plan and the coaching. But I will say that like they have players, and I agree with you for the most part. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Trey Flowers, right? He's a free agent this year. We'll see how people really value him. But they do have players that can do lots of things. Like Dante Correct. Hightower and Kyle Van Noy, they can yes. come off the edge as as not maybe not as well as you know, like a great pass rusher, but they can definitely come off the edge and they can definitely be dangerous doing that. So that's it's almost like it's not almost like they built their system to be able to do this. They find those players to be able to do this. And they've got a, they've got a lot of them that can be successful in varied roles. And obviously that is, that's not a mistake. And that's probably one of the reasons why they've been to the Super Bowl what now eight times in 18 years or whatever it is. The Patriots have been to eight Super Bowls in the past five years, um, actually. Um, <laughs> right. That's a great point because yeah, I mean, I think Trey Flowers is their best individual pass rusher, but then how much they mix it up up front can create confusion and that can put Dante Hightower or Calvin Noy on a running backer and then you just plan on them winning that matchup, right? Against a quarterback that is not among the most mobile uh, in the league. The Patriots are going to have a defensive look this week that involves Kyle Van Noy at safety. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, Pat has been watching the practice tapes. There's a record. <laughs> What's the over? Are we going to see like 70 combined rushes in this game? In a perfect world, it seems like they want to run the football 35 times in this game, Pat. I believe they will. Uh, I will I believe they will reach that number. Um, we know Wade Phillips' defense in general uh, kind of gives up the run, uh, you know, a lot of times by design. Uh, that certainly remained the case this year, bottom two in rate stats against the run. And so uh, their, their weakness, uh, so to speak, uh, certainly matches up, which not matches up. And from the Patriots' perspective, uh, meshes quite well with what has been the Patriots' strength down the stretch, which is running the ball 45 times a game, uh, wearing, you know, going very fast, wearing out the opposing defense, running a million plays, uh, setting up the short pass, uh, kind of classic uh, Patriots football in that regard. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting, yeah, when, when you face that kind of situation because it's so obvious. You know, may, is it too obvious to do? Is it too obvious for that to be the game plan? But the very obvious game plan for the Patriots would be to stick with running 50 times a game that they've been doing the past month. And what's been interesting about the Patriots over the last month, you mentioned like they've been running the ball more. It's like, it's almost that they, they've been running the ball a lot, but they do it early and then kind of move to the pass later. I mean, I know like last week, yeah, it was like the complete opposite of like a, like John Fox, Jeff Fisher, football coaches would diagram a game. They'd be want to be running the entire second half. Like, uh, sorry to just completely take your point away from you there, but it was very fascinating because uh, I think they had like 45, 46 rush attempts. And I bet probably maybe 30 of them were in the first half. Like this completely insane amount of them were in the first half against the Chiefs. Well, over the last two weeks even. So it was even, it's even a couple games now that they've done it. 50% of their first quarter snaps have been, have been running plays. And 47.8 of their plays in total have been running plays. So they're running more in the first quarter than they are just in general the rest of the game. And those are two games that they won. One of those games they won going away. So they, it's really been a set out to, we're going to set out, we're going to do this. And then they kind of build it off of there. And you mentioned it, that game plan makes sense because I mean, this, this Rams defense, that's, that's certainly where you can attack them. And if you're attacking Adama Kinsu and Aaron Donald 
and the running game, then you're not really setting it up for them to be able to disrupt Brady with interior pressure, which... Yeah, they're not terrorizing Brady from the... Brady is much worse against interior pressure than uh, outside pressure. Too. Absolutely. I mean, we know what the... As I mentioned earlier, we know what the game plan is against Brady. The game plan against Brady is get interior pressure, and if you're able to do that, you can really set it up. And I got this stat from NFL Research, but NFL Research said that the Rams led the league, which is not surprising considering who they have. They led the league in interior pressure rate this season. That's going to be a big story because yeah. if they're able to do that, if Sue and Donald, and I think you have to say about Sue that I don't know if he's been exactly what they thought they were getting all season, but over the last several weeks, he's been he's certainly been playing better. If those guys are able to big games, if too. those guys are going to be able to come in and, and really create pressure, that's a problem. But if you say, all right, well, this Patriots we mentioned it, this Patriots offensive line has been great. They just shut down Chris Jones, who by the way, had 15 and a half sacks this season. So he's yep. no slouch either. So there's a lot of kind of interesting moving parts here. But I think that that kind of battle, that interior line battle between those two outstanding defenders and the Patriots line, I think that's going to play a, a pretty big role in what the Patriots are able to do on offense. The game is decided by if the Patriots offensive line can shut down the Rams defensive line. The reason I was thinking about the Broncos is – I don't even just mean shut them out in sacks because as we know, you remember when the Seahawks absolutely just destroyed Peyton Manning, they didn't record a sack because sometimes disruption is production. Someone might've told you that before, but (laughs) what they need to do is at least give him two and a half seconds, Tom Brady. And if he does that, if he's able to do that pass after pass after pass, when, when they do throw, then I will 100% side on Tom Brady, not making mistakes and finding the open receiver and getting the ball out in the appropriate amount of time versus Jared Goff doing that exact same thing. What does it say in 2019 where Bill, 2018, 2019, guys, Bill Belichick drafted a running back in the first round and now he is establishing the run? Yeah. Is this, is this like this the biggest middle finger basically ever to analytics Twitter? Which I agree with analytics. I'm not subtweeting analytics Twitter here. I'm just kind of having like a crisis of faith, basically. <laughs> Uh, Bill Belichick is first round RB and a run establisher. I, I, but I, I do think there's a difference in taking a running back at like 26th overall where they did and I taking know. one at third overall. <laughs> and if I, if you want to add an extra layer to this, I am firmly in, don't come at me analytics. I'm firmly in, you don't really need to have an effective running game to, to have a good play action game. So I oh, don't come sure. at me Twitter, but that's kind of what they've been doing is they've been, running the ball, running the ball, and then building play action off that. We saw that last week. And that could be, I mean, that's going to be, again, another huge thing. You look at these this Patriots offense and, and how they set up against the Rams. The Patriots were first in yards gained per play action play. According to Football Outsiders, the Rams were 31st in yards allowed. So they were second worst in yards allowed. Like that's a really bad news. If the Patriots are going to come and set up and run a lot in the first quarter and then run a lot of play action plays off of that, that is that is bad news for this Rams yeah. defense. That is that is a recipe for disaster for the way that this Rams defense is built. And it makes a lot of sense for the Patriots to do that. We'll see what they do. But if they're able to come out and do that, I mean, it's it might be a long day for the Rams. For years and years with Wade Phillips, we've talked about how he's kind of ignored the run, like play the run on the way to the pass, which is smart. But in the case that is recent, like we've seen the individual talents step up enough of the Rams front seven and and specifically interior defensive line that if they play well, then they shut down the run on their own, you know, like even if they run the same exact scheme and in the big games, they've been able to do that. What I am going to point to Pat is, Hey, at least Bill Belichick's ways and offense is giving us a slim hope and a slim chance 
of Rex Burkhead ultimately ending the season as Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> no, I mean, we all know it's going to be another some. So some things about the Pats are super unpredictable, but some things are very predictable and it's going to be 13 uh, James White receptions yeah. and we should have all come to peace with it now. Maybe three or four for Rex and maybe you know, one of them will be another game winner like it was in the AFC Championship game. But yeah, you need to steal yourself for 13 James White receptions, even in a loss. He's, he's getting the ball 13 times. For the uh, let's be super creative and play a game here. Let's play yay or nay. Ray, yay or nay, that Cordero Patterson gets over under three and a half manufactured touches in this game. Mm, interesting. So they have two weeks to really sit and think about all the fun stuff they want to do with him. Uh, I'm going to go nay because yeah. they have so many. They have so many running backs, and he can be a factor in the return game. I'm going to go nay. Pat over under half a touchdown for Rob Gronkowski here. Oh boy, uh, you know linebacker core uh, not super great for the Rams. Gronk uh, seemed like he had gotten like a cortisone shot in every joint on his body in the AFC Championship game. Uh, so I'll go over. Right, who contributes to more turnovers, Jared Goff or Tom Brady? Goff. Oh man, I love that one. I don't even. I don't even really feel like that. And I don't think the Patriots... So they're both running a ton of play action. Do you like Jared Goff more in play action or Tom Brady more in play action? <laughs> I feel like Tom Brady is not like a like reaving soul. Like like Josh said, I think what you said, they had maybe the most yards per average play on play action. Is that the stat you said? I just feel like they're not hitting like the really... The Patriots used to just hit monster plays right. in play action. The Patriots averaged this year 9.9 yards per play action play and the Rams average nine. Gut was wrong. My gut was that Jared Goff was a more explosive play action passer than Tom Brady at this point. It, yeah, it'll be interesting true. to me if we get like the typical names scoring the touchdowns for the Patriots, like Sony Michelle and Julian Edelman and Gronk, or if it's gonna be your Chris Hogan's, your Philip Dorsett's, your Cordero Patterson's, your da- your James Devlin's, your Rex Burkett's. You know, James Devlin's going to be on the field for a lot of plays. It, let, me ask be, you, let me ask you. And as we saw in the Pro Bowl, Anthony Sherman took over the Pro Bowl. We did not see in the Pro Bowl, now. Pat, because we did not watch the Pro Bowl. <laughs> if Chris Hogan scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl, does that count for my best ball leagues? <laughs> Towards 2019. <laughs> oh, act like I won't be drafting him again. Right, right. Hey, Rex Burkhead and Chris Hogan are best balling better late than never, man. Uh, we can still get a Steven Anderson touchdown, too, as well. I'd, I'd be all for that. <laughs> I I audibly laughed whenever he was inactive because you <laughs> mentioned him. I audibly laughed. Who? I mean, it's just a joke at this point. Who has more total yards, combined yards? Okay, uh, Todd Gurley or C.J. Anderson? Ray. Ooh, I think I think it's Todd Gurley. I really do think that the receiving uh, his receiving usage is going to be a, a factor in this game, and so I'll give it to him. But I am I don't feel as confident in that as I should feel. Between Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Pat, who has the most receptions in this game? Could it be James White? That's always, uh, James White or Julian Edelman. It's going to be okay. one of the obvious. I think. I don't think it's going to be uh, a do, do we all think it's going to be in that two-and-a-half-point range, or is anyone predicting not a blowout but two-score two game here? I think it's going to be close. My yeah, God I think it's like, going to be a close game. Like, I think you go back and look at the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and even when they have been you know, easily the cream of the crop – they they haven't blown anybody out. I mean, they their largest win was the overtime win against 
the Falcons. The largest deficit was last year against the Eagles when they lost by eight. Like these have been one score games. That's that is what they have played. And it's not like it's a limited sample. We now have what eight samples. So it's I expect that this is probably going to play out the same way. I think they're pretty evenly matched. I think both defenses can offer can offer problems for both offenses. I think both offenses have the ability to kind of negate those issues. So like I I think this is going to be a high scoring close game that comes down to one or two possessions. Is the fact that every Patriot Super Bowl essentially comes down to the last play or last possession, is, does that speak to their team that just consistently wins with wits over talent? I mean, of course, they're always very talented. Let me paint a picture, okay? I just recently watched the 2002 Super Bowl. That doesn't, the 2002 Super Bowl doesn't exist. Okay. It's been erased. Well, in that game, memory. if you might have forgotten, the Patriots with like 130 left got the ball back and John Madden told them to play for overtime. They did not. And Rather in, famously. Instead, in about five plays, they drove down to, I think, try like a 52-yard field goal for the win. Okay? Pat, what if I told you that instead of Adam Vinatieri taking that kick, down one point, the Patriots in this game attempt a 52-yard field goal to win it with time expiring, and Steven Goskowski misses it. What, I don't know what you're getting at. Oh, you're yeah, because this that, game? that was how the Rams lost in the first one. But in this one, they will win in that way. Oh, so you're looking for some poetic symmetry yes. from the, the simulation. Exactly. Or yeah, because, um, you know, in this parallel universe that we live in, this universe that we live in, that will happen. There are an infinite number of universes with an infinite number of outcomes. And that will happen in one of the universes, but not this one. Um, are the are the Bengals good enough to win the Super Bowl in one of those universes? Or in one of those universes, uh, Marvin Lewis has never lost a playoff game. Oh. In one of those universes, John Gruden went sixteen and zero this season. It's <laughs> yeah, very true. In one of those um, universes, Hugh Jackson's coaching in the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, that's, that's not true. That's certainly not true. Back to back MVP seasons from Deshaun Kaiser. Back to back Browns Super Bowls do with uh, era defining Browns coach Hugh I'll Jackson. Uh, speaking of that previous Super Bowl that I mentioned, I think it was 2002. Uh, I'm going back. Well, it was the 2001 season, right? Yes. Season. It's always very confusing in the NFL. But 2002 yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, I'm watching those games on Twitch. You can join me. I think I'm going to do one this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go back and watch the Packers and uh, Falcons game when Michael Vick took down Brett Favre in Lambeau Field. That's on twitch.tv. There was a fight? Rewind. Um, yeah, they they wrestled at <laughs> halftime. It was like XFL all over again. Bray, now that we're at this point in the podcast where I think we kind of covered basically every aspect of the game, tell me some content that you've enjoyed that you've consumed as of late. The reason we're doing this is because as soon as the Super Bowl's over, like football's over. So you guys need some content to consume after this. And we're normal humans most of the time. And so we have been siding with non-football content as of late too. Well, I've been watching uh, the season of Great British Bake Off that I missed. Uh, I watched, finally watched Killing Eve, which got a lot of buzz from the critic folk and uh, uh, mostly unwarranted buzz in my opinion, but that's, but that's neither here nor there. Finished Red Dead Redemption. It was good. It's going to be, I think, a good video game year. We got Anthem coming out soon. The new Metro's coming out. Other Worlds. Maybe Jedi Fallen Order. So yeah, I'm looking forward Looking forward to a lot of screen time over the next over the next six months. Ray, speaking <laughs> of shows that uh, people love, uh, I watched all of you, and I did not think you was very good. Has anyone what watched show? that on Netflix yet? No, I've heard of it. I've heard it's hashtag problematic. Well, it's just um, I, I I don't know how I, I know a lot of people who I like have suggested it, so that's why I watched it, and it went like a little too far. Like you know the the horror movie thing of. 
hey, why are you going in there? That's just dumb of you. Just turn around and tell someone like you could say that about five times per episode. Like it just went like there was no common sense installed in any moment of the show. Do you know what's happened recently? Like there's been this run that people are making like horror movies as if it were still 1952. And like, so like a cell phone, bro. Exactly. A cell phone call could in, could fix everything. And, and nothing actually just reminds me the police. (laughs) Exactly. Anybody. This reminds me actually, I watched, uh, I've been trying to watch catch up on the Oscar movies. Uh, the favorite I actually quite enjoyed the favorites. Not bad. I, I have no idea how sorry to bother you is not being sorry to bother. You is a fantastic movie. It came out like last summer, go and watch sorry to bother you. And then write your local Oscar voter for why they didn't, why they didn't get, why they didn't vote for it. It's, it's upsetting. Pat, you suggested a book that I actually finished the audiobook version of, of Bad Blood, the Theranos saga, and it was fantastic. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, it's a, a hashtag spellbinding uh, hashtag page turn. It, it, it is the fire um, festival of medical startups. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a little more, it was a slow motion Silicon Valley 12 to 13 year disaster where uh, you could make the horror movie a comparison rate, where there were many, many times where people could have just left the house or called <laughs> There the were police. so many signs but of it lot, being defaulted. Lots of very smart people convinced themselves uh, that it was not a scam when it was very much a scam. So, yeah, Bad Blood's a great book. Uh, I read a bunch of short, kind of like punchy books in a row, and now I'm reading a very long history book about America and the Depression era called Freedom from Fear. I don't know if I'd recommend it Sounds yet. depressing. Uh, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I watched the 1993 Robert Altman Masterwork Shortcuts, which very few people have probably heard of, but uh, worth checking out. Uh, do you guys remember, did you guys listen to Jim Gaffigan stand up growing yeah. up? Um, do you remember the Jim Gaffigan bit about seeing a movie that like everyone saw 10 years ago? Um, where, where the punchline was, anybody seen Heat? <laughs> and, like, Heat, Heat came out in 1995, and this was like 2007, and he did, did a bit about how when you watch a movie that came out like 10 years ago. Anyways, I just watched Blade Runner 2049, which came out like a year and a half ago, and it was okay. I really wanted to like it. I thought the second half was really I, I've not even seen the first and, Blade Runner, and I'm ashamed. Still. What? I know, I know. First Blade Runner is amazing. I know, I know. I really want to because I, I heard 2049 is great too. Uh, Ray, I've- can, we, I'm gonna, can we talk about Harrison Ford? Uh, like, can no longer act. Ooh. He's like a he's like he's like a slab of meat now in his movies, and I find it's him like very janky. distracting. It's like broken a little bit, you know. I find it very distracting. Um, sorry, I mean Harrison, all time classic. But yeah, sorry. I finished. Well, now I'm into the third season of Luther. Have you ever watched Luther? I have watched Luther, but like only a couple episodes that I happen to catch the on BBC first season, The first season might be, and I haven't watched, you know, all television ever. The first season might be my favorite season of television ever. It's fantastic. Wow. It's really, really, really good. Um, so watch Luther instead of you. That's that's my suggestion for the remainder of 2019. <laughs> oh, and as always, anybody, anytime anybody asks me about television shows, BoJack Horseman is the GOAT. And literally sometimes, and you should watch BoJack Horseman. That's right. Unless someone goes Super Saiyan as a cartoon, like I'm not going to watch it. As an anime, I'm not going to watch it. You're missing out. It really is. If you need, a, if you need a, a glimpse into my psyche, just watch some BoJack Horseman, baby. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Pat. Um, I actually have another podcast out this week just on prop bets. Rich will be involved. Um, we have a, another guest involved in that one uh, as well. So, Ray and Pat, thank you again. To all of you, thank you for listening. You can hit that subscribe button if you are a new listener. And if not, please, again, take like 10 seconds 
and rate and review. It does really help us out. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.